you're too famous, you're too successful, we don't like you, call him a rapist or a human trafficker, put him all over the news, slander his name, try and wreck his life. Now that nobody believes it, what's, what's the next move? What are they going to try next? Tried my best to get out, tried my best to, to, via my small phone calls, understand what's happening in the outside world, tried to make sure that the people I love and care about are taken care of, because I'm the man of my family and I'm also the man of quite a large, I wouldn't say empire, but life. And there's a whole lot of people who rely on me. You know, you have staff and families, you have children and families. You know feeling, yeah. So when you're plucked from that, it's kind of strange. You're in jail and you're concerned for yourself, but your primary concerns are also all your duties as a man. I have duties as a man. I don't want children to starve. We've got a whole tribe. I've got people to pay. So it was very, very frustrating. Constantly trying to make sure everybody else was okay and feeling helpless. That's what hurt me the most. Make, I was trying to make sure everybody I love and care about was fine. And I wasn't as powerful as I should have been. And that was very upsetting. And especially if they were going to keep me there for years, I was having serious concerns about how I can feed the people I love. I, I certainly had some days I was less happy than others, but I, I made sure that my mindset was built in a way that I could always be doing something constructive. And also, I think you get what you give in life. And if I ever felt particularly sad on a day, I would try very hard to make other people happy because if I made other people smile, I'd feel better. So even the dinner ladies or the prison guards, I'd try very hard just to make people smile. I know it sounds silly. Some of the prison, no, guards, some of the prison guards were more open than others, but there was one, there was a couple of prison guards who were ice cold, didn't want to say a word to me. I'm like, hey, bro, your hair looks amazing. And you just stare at me like he wants to shut up. But, um, I just try my best to cheer people up, to cheer myself up. And, as a man, all you can do is just find the resolve to continue doing the best you can. And my message is traditional masculinity. My message is to stand up and say what you need to say. And even going to the gym nowadays is an act of defiance. Because when you have a man who's built with any degree of principle, you say no to things. And I think if I have to analyze my message and why I'm so disliked by the people who dislike me, it's not the things I'm saying. It's the fact that if you adhere to my principles and you adhere to the things I say, you end up being the kind of person who will resist certain ideas. You say no. What kind of man never says no? Name a man who never says no. Men say no, right? Men, men wake up and say, no, I don't think that should be done this way. No, my children will not be taught that. No. The father's primary job. Absolutely. So when you say to men, listen, you're allowed to have an opinion. You're allowed to have standards. You're allowed to have boundaries and barriers. You're allowed to get up and become important and work hard and try hard and become the kind of man who can't be controlled. Then you're seen as an enemy. And I, especially with the massive influence I've gained, I think they look at me and go, ah, he's helping men resist slave programming. We don't need him around. We need to empty their brains so we can inject the slave programming and convince men to be eunuchs. Because once you're eunuched, then you're not a threat. I was a misogynist for the longest time just for saying that men should have standards. If you, if you tell a man he can have standards in a relationship in any way, you're a misogynist. I said as a man, you shouldn't have a girlfriend who is a liar and a cheater and you also shouldn't have male friends who are liars and cheaters you shouldn't be around dishonest people yes male or female Amen. and Amen. they and they gendered it and said ah he's a misogynist he's saying that men should only act this way with women etc i said that men should have standards and you should have protocols that you're prepared to accept and you should have hard parameters and if a woman doesn't want to adhere to those parameters that's her decision and it's her prerogative but you don't have to stay with her why should you I really believe most of the things I'm saying were accepted by absolutely everybody 15 years ago, 10 years ago. And now it's public enemy number one. And it's because of the mass influence I have. At one point, I became the most evil man on earth. At one point. And I'm saying in the world we live in today, it's hyper-competitive. And if you want to be the kind of man that has the choice of women to choose a good one, you need to be an excellent man. It's no longer acceptable for you to just be an average Joe or below average. 
you have to get up and you have to work hard and you have to be smart and interesting and you have to be charismatic and make some money and be in good shape and you have to try very hard and unfortunately for them if you follow that path as a man and you become successful in those realms you end up being the kind of person who is this because the kind of person who wakes up and says if you want a good no, society so then you have to argue and say that you want a happy functioning society and they want something else when you want to conquer a society you kill the military It's the first thing they've ever done. They walk in and all the men have to have their throats cut. They can't perhaps do that, but they can certainly cut the balls off. And then you can't resist. And I think there's certainly a movement to ensure that there's very little resistance left inside of the number one demographic which is required to resist oppression, which are military age males. They don't want those kind of people waking up kind of self-respect to their standards or to say, no, I don't accept this. I do not need a ninth injection. They don't want that. They want you to sit and say, mm, "I don't need it." But the news and people should apologize. I really do believe, and I'm, I have nothing against the people who fell for the propaganda, fell for the programming. Yes, yes, I agree. Fine, but you should wake up and say, "I was fooled. I've learned my lesson. I will not be fooled again." But if you were fooled by the MSM and took the injection, and you continue to be fooled, and you've not self-reflected, and you've not realized that they lied to you the entire way, and you now believe the new bunch of lies that are all over the television, then there's something wrong with you, or you don't care that you were lied to. You don't care that you were lied to because. I think a lot of this is actually genuinely cowardice. I think it's a very easy worldview. The life is easier if you accept the news tells the truth. Yes. Everything they want me to believe is true. Everything's nice and simple. Good guys, bad guys. Doop do doop do do. And if you want to actually wake up, it takes a degree of bravery because then you have to destroy your entire worldview, everything you've ever understood and everything you're told, and you have to really look at the world and go, "Oh, this is a mess." And that takes bravery. And once again, that's why they don't want men to be brave. They want you to sit there and go, "Oh, it's easier if just you know CNN said so. It must be true." And it's it's cowardice, and they're trying to instill cowardice in all of us. That's that's what they're they're trying very hard to do. And I think even just me as a person, the people who hate me, my detractors who dislike me so much, even if I say nothing, I just turn up, big, bald, strong, fast car. But you know, it's just me. I'm I'm like the enemy to them because I I symbolize men who don't comply. And not don't comply in a in a negative law-breaking way, but don't comply in a if we don't agree with that or we don't see common sense in that, we're going to politely decline. And that's simply not allowed. I like to believe that this is a test from God. I like to believe that if you become the most Googled man in the world for saying that you have mental resilience, that God is going to make sure you don't have that degree of faith without testing. I like to believe that God comes along and says, "Yes, I've allowed you to become." Top G, we're going to see if you really are the top G. I believe that's how the world works. It's certainly intimidating, especially knowing you're completely innocent. But I believe it's a test, and I believe it's my job to pass the test for my ancestors and for people watching over me and for God. And I think I have to do the absolute best I can possibly do in the scenario and the circumstance, regardless of whether I win or lose. I still believe I'm going to win because I've seen the case file and I've seen that the laws are broken. But even in the very unfortunate circumstance that this matrix attack goes deep enough to throw me into a jail cell. I think I should handle it like a man. I think I should stay and finish the process, and I should walk with my head held high and suffer as much as I need to suffer to stick by my convictions and know that I'm an innocent person. And I refuse to break. I refuse to cry. I refuse to be depressed about it. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to smile regardless. And regardless of what happens to me, I want everyone to know that. One, I would never kill myself, and two, I think that as a man, there's always going to be a degree of pain and suffering in your journey. I don't think you're ever going to become a successful man or be good at being a man 
without pain and suffering. And there's many times in my life where something terrible happens to me, and at the time, if I could change it, I would have. But retrospectively, you kind of look back and go, you know what, that was formulative for me. That is what God decided I needed to become what I became. So all of the pain and all the suffering I've ever gone through in my life ended up, in the end, building into the person I am, and I'm proud of who I am. So if God decides I need to go back to the Romanian dungeon for however many days, then all I can do is accept it, accept his plan, and accept this way to be a better person. So you see the hand of God in your life? Absolutely. I think that he is the best of planners. And like I said, if you, if you retrospectively analyze all the times in life you wish you could have changed things, yes. he knew better. And I'm going to have to accept that. I think, I guess I always kind of knew. I was atheistic for a while when I was younger. But as you get older, you start to look at the world and understand that the thing for me was actually, I guess, a scientific principle. It was Newton's law of equal and opposite force. If there is evil in the world, and I'd like to think we both agree that certainly is, yes. there has to be an equal and opposite force, which is good. And I would like to think that is God. Even the idea of God as a notion, even just as a concept, if that idea of God resists evil, that God is real. If you have two islands, you have two people, let's say a ship crashes, and you have two people who swim to two different islands, and one island are atheists, savages, and they rip you apart. The other island, you get there, and they believe in God, and they believe in all that to do. Even just their idea of God, God saved your life. So I think even just the concept of God in and of itself, you nothing to believe in, makes it good, and God must be true, and that's the opposite force of the world. And this is how I, I view it, so I don't see how anybody in the conscience cannot believe in God. I, I think the main, I think the West is actually split between people who think and people who don't think. I think the people, there, there are, there's no such thing as these two opposing worldviews. I think people believe there's worldview A and worldview B. I, I disagree with that. I think there's worldview A, the good guys, which are primarily people who do believe in God, do have parameters, do believe in standards, do believe in self-respect, do know how to say no. And there's worldview B, which changes day by day, based on what they're told means they have no real worldview at all. They just compete. And they have no standards and they have no parameters. There's nothing you can tell them that will make them wake up and go, that's wrong. Because they have no inherent morality. So you could literally you could say bestiality is accepted and encouraged now. It's good for because for climate change. And they'll sit there and go, oh, climate change. Well, off we go. And uh, they'll just do it. So I think you have a, a camp of people who think and you have a camp of people who repeat. I don't think there's actually the opposing side to the good. I don't think function as a thinking populace at all. I think they simply repeat. It was interesting for me because, and I want to be an optimist, but I lost so much faith in humanity during COVID. I really, if you would have told me how COVID would have gone down yes. before COVID, I'd say no way. We're not that bad. You know, like I thought the people aren't that dumb. But when I experienced COVID, it, it's actually scary. You see how the Nazis managed to do what they did. You see For how sure. they managed to put people in concentration camps. You see it. And I had a very unique view of COVID because in the first days of COVID, when people were falling over in China and the Italian hospitals were overrun, at the height of the panic, when most people believed, because it was the very beginning, early stages, my brother and I had a very logical conversation and said, we're two military-aged men in very good physical condition. If we die of this, the world's over. If it can kill us, it's zombie apocalypse. So why are we gonna live in fear? So we found the only two countries that were open, which were Sweden and Belarus, 
We had just been to Belarus. This is before the Ukraine war. We'd just been there. We decided to try Sweden. So for the first three months of COVID, during the height of lockdowns, when Florida was closed, when it was absolutely, I remember. Yeah, when it was the craziest lockdowns globally, me and Tristan are in Sweden in absolute freedom. They had no restrictions, no masks, no vaccine passports, no social distancing, nightclubs are full, lunch restaurants are open, perfectly complete normal society. Nobody talks about this anymore. Nobody talks about, wait, Sweden never did a thing. Everything functioned perfectly fine the entire time. And they don't have it. Where's their mass? Where's their illness of severe, their winter of severe illness and death? Yes. They never had one. It's a cold country. Never had one. So we were living in Sweden, living completely normal lives, seeing everyone, seeing the internet, seeing this insanity. We're like, well, surely if we just put up a few videos of us partying in Sweden in nightclubs, this will wake people up. People ignored their own eyes. That's the scariest thing about everything is that they can get to a level where with the media machine, people will genuinely ignore their own eyes. I don't understand how you can get people so brainwashed that they will see that the sky is blue and then they'll watch that the sky is green and then they'll look at it again and go, the sky's green. It, it's crazy to me, but COVID proves they can do that. And uh, that's why the, the war is getting so intense because the principal people are saying, how can you still believe in the things that you're saying? Here is all the logical empirical evidence that that is a lie. But these people are ideologically brainwashed and they don't want to take enough. They don't have the bravery it takes to wake up and accept that they're being So they'd rather just, to the end of time, repeat what they're told. And it becomes more and more intense as it becomes more and more ridiculous. This is scary. As it becomes more and more ridiculous, the more intense both sides get. Yes. Right? So what the future holds, I'm not entirely sure. But I like to believe even my current charges. I found solace when I was in jail that the thinking people are looking at this going something if they don't like your views and you're inspiring millions of people to resist slave programming you're looking a threat like they discuss me but you can't send a guy to jail because you disagree you shouldn't but even before i went to jail the members of parliament in the uk were talking about me and what a dangerous role model i am for young boys so they launched this initiative inside of british schools to ban me my name can't be said inside of any British school. And members of parliament were standing up in parliament saying, Andrew Tate is dangerous. He's encouraging young boys to have misogynistic views. Because I'm literally telling young men to go to the gym and to stand up for themselves and believe, believe in themselves and believe in something. And by extension, you look at some of the sexual education books these children are reading, which I believe that at 89, I don't think a child needs to learn about anal sex or any of these things. Probably not. Yeah, probably not. So they're pushing that to the children, but I'm banned. Well, they're also pushing weed and video games on boys. Oh, completely. And you can listen to rap music about killing people all day long. There's a whole, and little Nas, he can, he can have sex with the devil in his music videos. That's fine. But I'm dangerous for saying go to the gym. And once I realized what was scary to me, was I said this to my brother, I said, once the parliament is discussing you're basically considered a national security threat. You're a threat to national security at that level. And then all bets are off. There's a saying I heard, and I don't know who said it, but he said that a sick country adopts laws like a dying man who is trying to see. And I think that the UK is failing in real time. If you look at it any metric, whether it's living standards, whether it's crime rate, any, any metric you can measure the success of a country by, it's fallen off the cliff. It's becoming more and more expensive to live there. The education system has gone down the pan. 
London is the stabbing capital of the world. They're not safe to leave their house. So their answer to this is just more and more and more laws. And unfortunately, as they do that, they're not even intelligent enough to actually attack the people who are genuinely bad to the world. They just make more and more authoritarian laws and they end up using them to attack the people that the government doesn't like. And I ended up being one of them. I think Europe in general has problems with the France as we speak. Fire, isn't it? Most of it. It is. Yeah. So um, they have issues, and their answer: what is it? What's a government's solution to anything? Law. This is what's really interesting to me about what's happening. Is we're talking about masculinity and men who say no and men who stand up. But there has to be balance, right? Yeah. Everywhere in the world, there has to be power balances. If there's not a balance in power, there's going to be a vacuum, and that's going to be filled. If you neuter the native population of men. If you destroy their mentality to resist, if you tell them that every single thing about the masculine is wrong, and you basically feminize and, un and unicate them, turn them into eunuchs, and then you import high testosterone men from the third world who don't believe any of this garbage, who grew up in a society where they understand the only way to succeed is to be a fearsome predator to a degree, what do you think is going to happen? Like, who's supposed to protect the sanctity of these nations and and these settlements and these towns and villages? The police? No. In general, I would argue that it's the masculine essence that can be detected by the people who arrive. I guarantee, if you were to pick up, put a bunch of these migrants in Sarajevo or Moscow, they behave themselves. Oh but yeah. I have a feeling they just look around and go, mm, "Not today." But but when you but when you neuter the native populace, then it's like, well, there's a power vacuum, and when and when there's a power vacuum, what do we expect to happen? So that's what. What, so what are the French gonna do about it? What, what's your average Englishman gonna do about nothing, it? Nothing. Nothing. And and that's the thing, and and that makes you wonder: is this purposeful? Like, why these two things are these two actions of neutering the native, native populace and importing these high testosterone third worlders are so at odds with each other? Is this purposeful? I'm not sure, but has anyone considered this? And how do they expect all of this to end? And this is exactly what's happening with migration. The problem with migration, specifically, is that there's no native masculine populace to enforce any degree of culture or boundary or parameter. And like I said, I, I would argue the point. And I and I've been to Sarajevo and I've been to Moscow. I've been to these places and I've seen there's a whole bunch of migration and everybody seems to just behave a little bit differently. And I think that's because people understand that men that men live here. That men live here. If if you turn up in someone's house and their house is pristine. You're probably going to take your cup and you're going to go put it in the kitchen. But if you turn up in somebody's house and it's a fucking mess, and nobody respects the house and nobody cares, and the man is drugged out in his mind, half asleep on the couch, what are you going to do with your cup? You don't give a shit. What do we expect to happen in these scenarios, right? And and it is purposeful and it is scary that even me just telling them to go to the gym seems as an act of defiance to the point where I have to be punished. I must go to jail. I must be silenced. What is the matrix? Good question. I guess some Americans call it the deep state, but I like to look at it in a more global way. When I say the Matrix, I think there are certain agendas which are being pushed. I think the media machine and the judicial systems of the world work together hand in hand. I think the goal is to control people's minds to a point where they don't discuss anything that's important. The reason I use the Matrix is because I've watched that movie a few times and it has so many similarities. The basic premise is that humans' minds are controlled and put inside of a false reality so that the body can manifest in And I don't think it's 
much different to reality. Our minds are controlled. We're put in a false version of reality. We're told things aren't true. We're arguing with things that don't matter. We're observing a false version of events. And the goal of it is just to distract us long enough for our bodies to be used to the machines to sell us. There are agents inside the Matrix, and the idea of the agent, the purpose of the agent, is to make sure that nobody understands how the Matrix really works and to wake anybody's mind up. They want to keep you asleep. And any person can become an agent at any time. If they're not unplugged, if their mind is not free, they can become an agent, and their job is to keep you asleep. And you see agents all the time. COVID awoken me to agents. When I would sit and talk to somebody, and they seemed perfectly rational and normal until I mentioned COVID, and then they fully change. No, it's dangerous. No, what do you mean? What do you mean? Are you crazy? My grandma got sick. And they, and they became an agent instantly and started repeating the news to me. And I was like, your grandma got sick. How old is she? 97? Interesting. Oh, I better lock myself in my house then. Dumbass. So, um, <laughs> agents exist and the matrix exists. And I think most people's, most people's version of the world is a false one. The idea and the world that most people have in their mind and how society functions and how all these things function, I genuinely believe is completely false. I don't think anybody understands how it is. And I try and use some very simple, you know, very simple analogies to wake people up. I said to one of my friends once, he said, if me and you could play video games for $10,000 and you could cheat, would you cheat? No, it's like if I was whooping your ass and it's 10 grand a game and you could cheat, would you cheat? Because yeah, it's like, all right, so you think you accept that people cheat to win in the video for a menial amount of money? You think they're not gonna cheat at some point? I, up until this point, never really commented too heavily on the politics. Yes. But I understand very well, I like to believe what's happening. And what I will say to you, are naive enough to believe that there are good guys and bad guys. It's as simple as good and bad. Bad guys are crazy. Good guys want freedom. And you need to do a little bit more investigation into what's going on. But um, the war in Afghanistan was going on. And I remember asking my dad, saying, why do the Taliban even fight and resist the American war machine? They don't stand a chance. Like, why are these terrorists even fighting against the American war machine? And my dad said, they're fighting for their way of life. They want their wife, and they want their children, and they want their society and their language, and they don't want pride flags, and they don't want American bullshit, and they don't want to be told what to do. And they're fighting to be a culture and be a people, which is independent in and of itself. Like, they're not the bad guys you think they are. They're people who are like, why are you here? What do you want? We don't agree with that. That's against our holy book. Fuck off. Right? So even <laughs> there's no such thing as good and bad in any war. People don't seem to think anymore. Um, they believe that there's a good guy and there's a bad guy and one guy's one team's completely good and one team's completely bad. One team's crazy. They often use the word crazy because to be completely bad, you have to be crazy, right? So you're crazy. He's crazy just for no reason. You just have to be critically thinking. And then after you're critically thinking, you have to be brave enough. And this is the real pandemic of the world is cowardice. You have to be brave enough to look around you and realize, ah, everything was a trick. Everything was a lie. But why not be a coward? I mean, it's just a lot easier, right? Well, it used to be. This is the thing that's interesting. I would actually argue in the 1950s and 60s, if you were to agree with every single narrative and obey every single law and do exactly what you were supposed to do and pay your taxes, etc., you'd at least get 
a wife who respected you. You'd at least have children who go to school without being indoctrinated to a degree. Yeah. You could have a nice house. You could have a pickup truck. You could have a pretty good life if you just followed the rules. Yes. I don't think that's true anymore. I think that if you were a man, especially, and this is what I talk about, I talk about masculine issues. If you're a man who is born and you decide to do exactly as you're told, you're going to end up depressed, in debt, working a job that you hate, with a wife who doesn't respect you, with kids who don't listen to you, in a house you don't own, until you, she leaves you, and then you contemplate suicide a while, and maybe you might find some purpose towards the end, enough to survive and pay your taxes, and then you're gone. I don't think a man who just follows the programming is going to find any happiness, but they don't care. Why would they? They have no interest in masculine happiness. It's another thing that's very interesting. We talk about men's mental health all the time, especially in the UK. I'm not sure about America, but in the UK, they have this big drive for men's mental health, saying that men commit more suicides. Men a end lot up more. A lot more. Because it's hard to be a man. We commit more suicides, we're more depressed, we have all these mental health problems. I come along, I genuinely get thousands of emails a day saying I'm helping people men's mental health. But no, can't, can't help it the way Andrew wants. Can't tell him to go to the gym and stand up for themselves and have pride. What kind of man's going to have a solid mentality and not have mental health issues if he has no pride? part of being a man. Part of being a man is proud of yourself. If you wake up and you're not proud of who you are and how you look and the things you say, how are you ever going to have a, a solid mentality? So when I teach things that genuinely help men's mental health, that's outlaw. No, you're not allowed to do that. Instead, you have to take our version, which is to pretend to care about men's mental health, but not give a shit. Give them a life they know they're not going to enjoy. Pay taxes and die. And men are the backbone. Medicate. And medicate them. Medicate them long enough to keep working. The same way as we medicate farm animals. Some bunch of injections. Yeah. Keep, keep them alive long enough to get the milk. Milk's gone, chop that off. And this, this is what people don't understand. People say, Andrew, why are you fighting this war? They don't understand that war is certain. You either fight war against injustice, you fight war against the things you know that are wrong, you feel inside of yourself, or you accept the slave programming and fight a war with your own mind. You have to fight something. I can shut up and believe what I'm told in the news, but then I won't. Why am I so unhappy all the time? Why am I depressed? Why does my life suck? Why does my woman ignore me? Why do my children not respect me? You're fighting a war, then you're fighting a war with your own mind. I'd rather have all of me on side and fight against what I know is genuinely evil. You can't escape the battle. The battle's here for all of us. So I've made my decision and that's why I can't be quiet because you just said I would lose my self-respect, I'd lose my dignity and I don't think I can function that way as a man. And I don't think any man should be able to function without self-respect and dignity. The reason men died on the Titanic was for self-respect and dignity. They went into the icy cold water and died because they would feel honorless if they jumped on the boat and left the women That's to right. die. That's right. So when you have self-respect and dignity, you have a hard parameter and you'll do things that which are deemed crazy or insane because you believe in them and you stick up for yourself. And that's why they don't want men to have self-respect and dignity. I'd rather be a free man in your grave. Absolutely. So um, I can't be quiet and I'm going to say what I believe is true. And I genuinely believe I'm helping the world. I think that any young man who is a follower of mine I will argue there's no influencer on the planet besides me who is genuinely benefit, benefiting their life. I know you're not big on the internet. I look at these other streamers, these other influencers. They play video games all day. They smoke weed on stream. They talk garbage. It's a bunch of drama back and forth like girls. I'm the only influencer or streamer who's genuinely talking about making money because we have money to escape the matrix. It's very hard to resist enslavement. Getting physically strong because a strong body is a strong mind. Standing up for yourself self-motivation, all these things. I'm talking about genuinely positive things. Very few people are. And I think that is an extremely important message that needs to be told. And I'm not going to stop doing it because I know I'm genuinely helping the world. And 
they're going to try and punish me for it for the rest of my life. I think this is just beginning. And I think when I beat this case, I believe I will be. I think something else is going to happen. And it's kind of scary because I am a little bit afraid and a little bit intimidated by the incompetence of my enemy. Because the standardized playbook is now failing in real time. The standardized playbook is the media attack, the lie, and it's not working anymore. And it got, got me a little bit worried about what the next move is. You used to just be able to lie about guy over news and you win, right? But now it's like, shut up. So now, I don't know. Um, and that's what's kind of scary in my, in my scenario, because nobody's going to believe any of the crap they print about me. Nobody believes it. Nobody believes it. Whenever I do an interview with the Matrix Media, they don't, nobody believes it. They have to turn the comments off, because everyone in the comments are just ripping them apart. I just can't stop saying what I believe to be true. If a young man comes to me and says he's depressed, I'm going to tell him how to become a kind of man who's proud of himself. And if that makes him the kind of person that resists slave, and slave programming, I'm always going to be public enemy number one. When I say depression isn't real, I'm saying that because I don't believe in things that can take away power from me. If I believed in depression, I would have been depressed in jail. But I can't be depressed if I don't believe in it. If you don't believe in ghosts, how can you be haunted? You have two people in a, in a haunted house. One believes in ghosts, one doesn't. There's a knock in the night. One wakes up, calls an exorcist, is terrified, looks for a ghost. The other guy doesn't believe in ghosts. Knock in the night, goes back to sleep. It's the belief in the ghost that gives it the power. If I don't believe in depression. I believe in feeling depressed. Sure, we're humans, we have emotions. Sometimes we feel depressed, sometimes we feel happy. I don't believe in the idea of becoming a depressed person who has depression. I don't believe in that. I don't think that's possible for me. So if I don't believe in it, how can it happen? I don't believe in depression. So why would I not adopt the mindset that makes me the most capable predator I can possibly be? Why not adopt the mindset that makes me as competent and as fearsome as possible? If you have to install software in your own mind, why would I not install software that makes me capable of not only driving a Bugatti and flying on private jets, but sitting in a Romanian dungeon covered in cockroaches? I need to be able to do all of it. So why would I believe in something that made me incapable? I don't believe in depression because I think that even the belief in and of itself, when you feel depressed, you'll start to consider, maybe I have depression. And you go see a psychiatrist who tells you you have depression, but they want you on pills. It's the belief that goes down the spiral. If I feel sad, I go, I'm depressed today, I'll be fine. Because when I said depression wasn't real, the number of people who would attack me defending depression, this is why I didn't understand. Right. You say depression isn't real, but depression's ruined my life, and it's super real, and it's ruined my life, and I lost my marriage. I'm like, if I told you it wasn't real, you should be coming to me saying, tell me how it's not real. Please help me with right. my depression. Why are you trying to convince me that it's real? Why are you sticking up for it? <laughs> why are you defending depression? And, and why would I adopt the thinking of someone who's sad? Why would I? You're going to convince me to take your worldview. You just told me your wife left you, you're fat, and you want to kill yourself. And you want me to sit here and go, with my perfect life, and go, you know what, I want to think like this guy. You're out of your mind. I don't believe in it. And because I don't believe in it, it's made me the kind of person who can't become depressed. And the reason they don't like me attacking that is because depression is a fantastic way to subdue a population. Right? If everybody's depressed, it's hard to have a revolution. You're depressed. Oh, they've locked us all in our houses. I don't want to go outside anymore. I'm sad. Right? So, depression is a fantastic tool of population. They, want, they have no problem with you being depressed. They have a problem with you being the opposite, principle and energetic. No, you don't want the principle energetic people. That's a problem. A bunch of depressed people, easy. If you had to invade a country, 
Would you rather the opposing army be principled and energetic or depressed? I'll tell you, I would not want to be invaded by a cheerful army. Absolutely. That's scary. They're having too much fun, right? You want them all to be depressed. So a morose army is easier to defeat. I agree. Absolutely. So depression is a defended idea. You're not allowed to even talk about it. You're not allowed to help people get out. Right? They like the idea of a depressed population. This is what I say to people. Now, I'm not stupid. I understand like PTSD is real. I understand mental health is real. I'm not saying that, but I say if you're an 18 year old boy or 18 year old man and your life is pretty much okay, bacteria didn't steal your eyesight, which could have happened. You never had a car crash and lost both of your legs, which could have happened. You're actually very fortunate. And you wake up and you say, I'm depressed. I think you're an idiot. I don't think you're depressed. I think you've been silent. I think you feel a little bit of depression and you can fix that by changing your life. I think you became rich and strong and smart and successful. You worked hard and you dedicated yourself and you tried your very, very best to become excellent. You probably wouldn't feel depressed. Which means it's not a disease, is it? So, how, so why would you be the only reason you're saying that depression is going to be believe I think we've evolutionarily even though I didn't thought, I think that we've designed ourselves and the human has grown into a way where if you feel depressed or sad, I think that's a fantastic trigger or a warning signal to do something. If you were to say to me, Andrew, you have to do, you have to complete this monumental task, you have to conquer the world, I would say, okay, but I need a, I need a emotional motivation to do that. I need to be unhappy having not completed the task. You know, I need to be uncomfortable, right? If you're uncomfortable, being out of shape, you'll get in shape. If you're happy being out of shape, then you're just going to stay out of shape, right? So if you feel a degree of uncomfortableness inside of your mind, I think it's just a mind telling you something like that. You need to get up and change something. Guys would say to me, I'm depressed because I'm fat and I have no girlfriend. And I'd say, no, you have no girlfriend and you're fat and that's why you're depressed. If you go change those two things, you'd probably be surprised that your disease goes away. I had another guy say he was going to kill himself. I said, listen, Back when I used to reply to my emails when I was smaller, I said, make me a promise, get a six pack first. Of beer? <laughs> I said, get a six pack first, get in fantastic shape, and then do whatever you want. Didn't want to kill himself once he was in fantastic shape. So he did it? Yeah. I have, I have the before and after I put him on Twitter. Kind of interesting, that, isn't it? So how are we going to say we have this disease, which is cause and effect? How are we going to have, we have to say we have this disease where there's something wrong with you as a man, you have a disease because your life sucks? I mean, I don't think that's true. I think that your life just sucks and you should change it. And another thing I also preach, and this is another thing that's very important, I also think as a man, because life as a man is pain and suffering, and when I say that, because you're never going to be a good man or good at being a man without pain and suffering. You're going to have to go through a bunch of, of shit and have a terrible life to become a good man. I think you should embrace that and accept it. And I think that the, the correct mental model for men to have is a degree of stoicism and not to be too concerned with even how they feel. If I woke up today happy, if I woke up today happy, I would have done this interview with you. If I woke up today sad, I would have done this interview with you. What's the difference? Why put so much importance on my emotion if certain things must be done? I must work, I must train, I must see Tucker Carlson, I must resist the Matrix. I've got things to do. So, who, so why are we going to sit around and talk about how I feel if it doesn't even affect how I act? And as a man, it shouldn't because there's too much to do. And the, the masculine world is hyper-competitive. This is another thing most people don't understand. It's hyper-competitive out here. All the women want a few men at the top. The Ferrari, you, you don't want a Ferrari to drive fast. You want a Ferrari because other men want a Ferrari and can't have one. It's hyper-competitive. So if you're competing against every other man for every dollar you make, every girl you see, the house you live in, the car you drive, the life you live, 
You're not going to be able to compete with the person who performs regardless of how they feel if you only compete when you feel like competing. Right? Because there's men like me out there who will be sad every day and I'll compete you regardless. I don't care how I feel. I will still win. And that's the kind of mindset you need to adopt. Yes. So when men say, oh, if I don't, I feel sad. Who cares? The world doesn't care. All the men who are out here to destroy you and take your girl don't care. So why, are you, why do you care? Like the only, the person who should care least is you. You're the only person who wakes up every day who should have a genuine vested interest in improving your life. Nobody else wakes up and wants to improve your life, only you. So if nobody else cares about how you feel, why do you care? So I, my argument also for depression is, you're depressed, fine. Have you trained today? Well, that doesn't change what you should do with your life, depressed or not. And I don't say this because I'm an eternally happy person. I say this because I've experienced all ranges of human emotion. I was in a Romanian jail cell with cockroaches crawling all over me as I slept. I never missed a day of training. I wouldn't say I was particularly happy. Push-ups must be done. I do think there's something inside of men, whereas if you're with your boys and you're with your group yes. of men, yes. there's something inside of us, and it allows you to make the absolute best of the worst situation. Maybe that's an evolution from war. You know, all the yes. men went to war, and you saw all this pain and suffering, and you saw the heads, people decapitated, and you're injured, but then you sit around the campfire and you're laughing. You're laughing. Right. It's something inside of us, it's like a coping mechanism when you're around men. So when me and him were together, no matter how bad this scenario, no matter what they tried to do to us, part of us would just look at each other like, cigarette? <laughs> and you find joy in that. And yeah, there's definitely, and that's another thing I think a lot of men are lacking, a lot of men are missing is a masculine support network. I think buddies. Buddies. Yeah. You know, you, you talk to a guy and say, what was the highlight of your life? What was the best time of your life? And say, ah, oh, college football. It's not about the football. It's about the team. Yeah. You know? And I think a lot of that's destroyed as well. Because also when you, it's interesting how everything interconnects. When you destroy honor and principle and the masculine essence inside of men, well now as a man, it's very hard to have friends. I wouldn't want to have a, a male friend who had no principles, no honors, and, and, and didn't work hard, and was always crying about being sad. What do I want to hang around with him for? He's a loser, right? So then your support network's destroyed. And I think that men have always needed that system all the time. I think that's gone. But they don't have friends, and especially middle-aged men have no friends. Absolutely, because they've been told they to give them all away, and as the wife says, and she left it. No wonder it was the No wonder it's depressed. It just sounds like the worst existence ever, and now we're living in a world, now especially, where everything is hyper-competitive, especially the sexual marketplace. Like if you're a 52-year-old, overweight, average income, no fame dude, you have to find a girl, it's going to be pretty difficult find a good one. It's going to be very hard. So we're like, well, of course he's lonely. Then, and his kids don't respect him. They're busy. But of course he's sad. Like, it's, it's actually heartbreaking to discuss. It is heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. But then how do you prevent that happening? Well, then you need to be a man of honor and principle and make sure that you keep your support networks and make sure that your woman does respect you. And a woman's going to respect you when she says, sees other men respect you. Yes. And, and they're only going to respect you if you respect yourself. But to respect yourself, you have to be the kind of person who says no. There's been some statistics, there's been some studies done. Most men, or less men, are having sex than before. I've seen it. Yeah, and that's that. Well, that's an extension of the fact that masculine virtue is being destroyed. That's the thing that's interesting about all these things. They psyop, especially men, they say, listen, women want a feminist man. Women want a man with no moral principle who would make sure that there's a conversation about who should fight the burglar when your house is broken into. Because equal opportunities, equal rights, of course. 
don't, you know, don't presume just because you're a man that you should defend her physically. Of course not, that makes you a bigot and a misogynist. So they convince men to adopt these virtues and ways. And of course, women, by and large, dislike them for it. So now as men's, as masculinity has plummeted, a whole bunch of men are simply not having sex anymore. And then they become addicted to porn, which is cucking, effectively. Two people are having sex and you're just watching it. <laughs> and, it's, and it's become a, yeah. Good point! I mean, and it's become a pandemic, right? So men are replacing genuine sexual relationships with just the computer screen and porn, and it's becoming a very, very big problem. And that's also exasperated by the fact that I think the sexual marketplace has become globalized. This is the thing I say to young men. A lot of men come to me with problems, and my only answer to them is masculine excellence. I say that in the world we live in today, being a normal man, or below normal, is gonna be terrible. You have to be an exceptional man, because the sexual marketplace especially, even if you just want to find a wife, is globalized. If you, in 1955, if you met the hot girl in the Nebraskan town, she was the hot girl in the Nebraskan town. If you meet her today, she's being offered to go to Courcheval and go skiing in France, and she's right. being offered to fly to Dubai. And there's millionaires who can just fly her anywhere and give her anything she wants. And, and who are you? Right? It's, it's getting harder and harder as a man to even find the most basic human function of re reproduction. Even to just find a woman you can reproduce with is becoming more and more difficult. You also couple that with the fact that they've destroyed morality in women also. So when you destroy the morality in men and you destroy how a man should act and then you destroy how a woman should act, it's, they're go, you're both going in the opposite direction. Most women out there are very happy to share a man who's just rich and famous. They don't, they don't care. It's right? So, so, so if you're the normal guy, you know, there's, there's this rich famous guy with 30 girls, that's 29 dudes who are lonely. And they end up watching porn. And if you have a porn addiction or you have a problem with porn, you have a problem with yourself. Because I guarantee if you're the kind of man you're supposed to be, you would have no time for that. And you wouldn't need it. I can confirm that's absolutely not the case. So the fact you even need porn shows there's a problem with you as a man. Because if you were the kind of man you could be, and I genuinely believe that any man can become anything, then you'd have unlimited sexual options and you would have no interest in that. And, and I do want to make this clear to the world because there's a bit of a misconception about my story. My father was in the military and then he left to become a professional chess player. He was a traveling chess player. You don't make money with that. My mother and father broke up at age nine and moved to England purely because you get more help in the state. I was raised on welfare, Marsh Farm, which is the worst area of the worst town, moved to the highest crime rate. I went to a school with a 4% pass rate, single mother household effectively. Started from absolutely nothing, became a kickboxing world champion. Your mother was English? Yeah. So I, I started at the absolute lowest echelon of life and I would like to consider myself pretty somewhere near the top now. I've been through absolutely every stage. So when I say to men, you can become anything you want, and my answer to you is masculine excellence, there's no other answer. I can't tell you how to rig the game and cheat the game. If we're all racing a race and I have a Ferrari and you have a Nissan, sure, you can get a bit better at driving, but you're probably going to lose. You have to get a, a better character to play this game of life. So that's why I preach masculine excellence, because for many of the world's problems today, porn, sexual access, being respected by your peers, making sure that your wife's going to stay with you, after the children are born for a very long time, right. being happy, anything, it all comes down to who you are as a man. The, a lot of the answer, the only answer is masculine excellence. There's nothing you can do besides hard work, accept the trauma and pain and suffering, and, and work harder than everyone else around you worked.
And, and that's why porn's a problem. So I will genuinely say to any man out there who finds himself loading up that website, go take a look in the mirror and realize why no one wants to fuck you. If you're... If, Fair. No, and, and I said this to guys before. If you were a girl with all the choices she has, would you choose it? Think about it. And if you're honest with yourself, a lot of these guys, if they look in the mirror and go, you know what? I wouldn't choose me. Work out why and do something about it. Absolutely not with self-accountability. This is something that's also missing. I take accountability for everything in my life. Even going to jail, although it was unfair, although it's a matrix attack, although it's garbage, it was my fault. I sat there and go, what did I do wrong? How can I learn from this? Where, did, where is my part to play in this? What did I do? Because my actions are what I have the most control over. 